That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, my darlings. This episode is a perfect little way to round out the year and perhaps launch you into 2024 with some new little tactics that can help us just be our best selves. And it's based on my biggest goal for 2024, which is focus and attention. And that's why I'm very happy to tell you we have Dr. Gloria Mark on the show today, who is the author of Attention Span, Finding Focus and Fighting Distraction. She has published over 150 papers in top journals and conferences in the field of human-computer interactions, which is unbelievable, right? And she has a lot to tell us about, listen, the four types of attention that we experience every day, how to recognize them, why multitasking hurts us rather than helps our productivity, how social media and modern entertainment amplify our short attention spans. I mean, I just am repeatedly asking her, what can we do? What can we do? And she had the best answers. And I've been integrating this various little practices into my life every day. I hope that you feel the same way about this episode. That's the whole point of me being here and talking to people like this. So please, please, please enjoy. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. I have a severe addiction to my phone. And I have an incredibly hard time completing a task and I'm constantly multitasking because <laughs> in my head, I think it's better to, it's everything, I'm doing everything wrong. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Well, a lot of people share exactly the same experience that you're talking about. Well, we've just been introduced to technology in a way that's made it, I mean, I can't, function without my phone is my income. My phone is my job. So it just all kind of happened so fast. And now we're kind of all trying to back up and say, Hey, maybe, (laughs) maybe there's a little bit of a side effect here. (laughs) I mean, it, it has happened so fast. Right. And, you know, it was only in the mid nineties that the internet gained widespread popularity. Mm -hmm. Right. And the smartphone was introduced in what, 2007? So it's, you know, in the long history of technology, this is very recent and it's just such a rapid 
pace. Mm-hmm. iPhone came out when I was in college and I got, I remember I got it in college and when it was when I was studying design and marketing and management at, in New York at school and it was spoken about like, you know, this is going to be the new change and this is going to be the next way we communicate. And it was the very beginning of all of that. So I just leaned in as much as you could lean in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the problems is that, I mean, everyone is interested in innovation, right? Mm. Technological innovation. Mm. It's it's exciting. There's a lot of money behind it, but there hasn't been enough thought or care into how people can use these technologies, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's more the thought about what's the the greatest next innovation that can be done, but there's there's less thought into how people can integrate this into their lives in a in a responsible and intelligent way. And how did this become your work? What did you study? I know you went to Columbia. Yeah. What were you studying there? I mean, you have multiple books. You're widely published. What ignited this desire to deep dive into this topic? Well, you know, what I, I studied psychology when I was at Columbia, and I really had not planned to study technology use. Mm-hmm. And it sort of happened by accident. A lot of things in my life just came about by accident, although there's there's a saying that chance favors the prepared mind. So, you know, maybe I saw this as an opportunity and I found it really I love interesting. That. Chance and favors exciting. the prepared mind. Yeah, it's true for some people, mm-hmm. right? If you're really, you know, have your antenna up looking out for something that's interesting, you you might jump on it. And so my first job after my PhD was in a company that was designing technologies to help groups collaborate with computing. Mm, okay. And it was very new at the time. And they thought, well, we need a psychologist to help us figure this out. <laughs> and so I was right lucky, right? Oh, and yeah. so I took I took that job and I thought, wow, I have just stepped into the future, you know, studying technology use. Very few people at the time, very few social scientists were were studying technology use. Now it's, you know, there's a lot of social psychologists, psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists even looking at this. But at the time it it was very new. And then I moved to Germany with my husband, worked at a research institute there, and also began studying how people act with technology. But when I was hired back here in the U.S. as a professor at University of California, Irvine, that's when I I really took a deep dive into attention. The reason is because I started noticing for myself Mm. how hard it was for me to focus. I noticed how I kept shifting my attention and I just wondered, is are other people having the same experience? <laughs> so, you know, being trained as a scientist, I thought, you know, I can study this empirically, mm. right? I, I can look at this very systematically and see to what extent people really have this kind of experience. And that's that's what got me started. And I was very fortunate to have a graduate student who is very interested in this topic 
And then since then, I've I've had other students and colleagues that I've worked with. And at what point in this process did, you know, I know that you have, was it you that discovered kinetic attention? Is this like your work? Yeah, that's it. For, for better or worse, that, that's the word that I use <laughs> to, to coin this, this phenomenon. And why did I call it kinetic attention? Because it seemed like the perfect word to it describe is. the fact that our attention is so dynamic when we're on our devices that we're mm. switching attention. Now, you know, sometimes we could just be glued to the screen if we're, you know, watching Netflix or we're playing a, a video game. But other times, you know, we switch between tabs and projects and apps and even our devices mm-hmm. in in a very dynamic fast way and the the term kinetic just seemed to fit and that's what kinetic means it means dynamic mm-hmm. you know having a lot of motion involved i mean for the most part like last night we were watching the crown and i was finishing up emails on my computer while i was watching the crown and then I compulsively check my phone probably every eight minutes. Just compulsive. I can't, I can't even help it. I grab my phone, I open up Instagram, I refresh. Like, and every time I do it, which is hundreds of times of day, times during the day, I immediately think to myself, there's nothing I'm missing. I'm not missing out on anything. There's nothing exciting is happening that's worth me doing this, right? But you're you're getting a reward, right? Every time you look, you're I don't know are are you looking at maybe the number of likes that you get? Yeah, or- I get obsessed with the DMs, and then I'll open TikTok and I'll watch like four videos, and they TikTok videos in that thirty seconds make me feel so many feelings so quickly. I'm either, I mean, my husband is like the bipolar <laughs> episodes that happen when you watch TikTok because I'll watch something. That's sad. And I'll instantly cry. And then the next video is super funny and I'm dying laughing. And he's like, this can't be normal. <laughs> he doesn't have the same relationship with his phone that I do. Right. He's so a bit we, more analog. We, we, we do it because we we get rewards, right? Mm-hmm. And you can watch a lot of TikTok videos because you know, at some point, something's going to come along that really moves you, yes. right? And you're waiting for that because you've had that experience before. So it's, you know, we're, we're reinforced in a, in an intermittent way, which mm. means not every single video makes us laugh, but every so often there's something that comes along that's just great. And that's what keeps us tied to keep going back and checking TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is that, that makes you laugh. This must be the same feelings that drug addicts have to to some extent yes i mean there there is this you know this dopamine hit i i don't like to use that phrase i think it's a little bit simplistic but mm. a lot of people talk about it that way but you you are getting a a reward when when this happens and of course drug addicts are are getting their unique kind of reward as well what are the four types of attention that you talk about that we experience throughout the day? Yeah. So let me start by saying people generally regard attention as having two states. 
okay. being focused or not focused, mm. right? We're either in one kind of mode, you're very focused on something, or you're just not focused and your mind is wandering, or you're just, you know, if, if you're watching TV, you're changing channels with the remote. So I thought a lot about this and I realized that, you know, we can be engaged in something with our attention, but we can be challenged in, in that thing mm. or not at all challenged. And let me explain what I mean by that. So imagine you're trying to read some kind of difficult material. So give me an example of what might be something that you really have to maybe struggle a little bit to, to read because you want to make sure you get it Right. Yeah, I feel like the newspaper when it comes every Sunday, my Sunday Times, I really yeah. want to, you know, deep dive into important world news or political news or something outside of the like the fashion things and the love stories and the things that get me excited. And it's impossible for me to get through those articles without stopping and grabbing my phone or switching or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday I had to read a contract. Right? It was a <laughs> so, sometimes, you know, if you're if you're doing a show, you, you know, you have to sign a contract. And that was a struggle for me, mm -hmm. right? That was challenging. I had to go through and read it very carefully. So, but you know, sometimes I can be focused without having to be that challenged, right? But other times we're engaged in something and we're not at all challenged. And an example is, you know, a kind of mindless game. There, there is, you know, I have a favorite anagram game that I use on my phone, which is just not challenging, but mm -hmm. it's it's very simple. It kind of keeps me engaged very lightly. My mind can wander. I can think of other things. So two type, those are two types of attention, being really engaged and challenged and being engaged, but not at all challenged. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Another kind of attention is if you're not at all engaged and not at all challenged, and I call this boredom, right? You're just mm. not engaged with anything. You're not challenged. You're just bored. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that when people are bored, they have a lot of what's called excess mental resources, a lot, lot of, you know, capacity in yeah. their mind that they're not using. And so what do you do with all this excess capacity? Think of time. And that's why when people are bored, they tend to focus on the time passing, oh. right? Because you have to think of something. And so you begin to think about, I know when I'm extremely bored, I might keep checking the time Yeah, absolutely. Right? if I'm waiting for something. So that's another type of attention. And then the fourth type of attention is if you're very challenged to do something, but you're just not engaged in it at all. And, you know, we've, we've all had that experience. I call that frustration. Mm. So, you know, an example, oh, for me, when, when I can't get technology to work got it, and I can't figure out the problem, I, I'm really challenged by it. And I'm just not engaged. I I would just so rather be doing something else. Mm -hmm. But I have to solve this problem because I have to use my 
you know, this program. So those are the four kinds, right? Being focused, being lightly engaged, but not challenged. I call that rote attention. Mm, Okay. And then the third is being bored and the fourth is being frustrated. So fascinating. I would never think to put those into categories, but it absolutely makes sense. Those are the little kind of cycles we all go through. Yeah. All right. I have a great gift idea. I love Origins. Origins had a store, still has a store in Pasadena right across from where my first job was. During Christmas, when I was 14, I would gift wrap presents at a store. And I would go into that Origins and as a young kid would buy gifts for my family and friends because the products were so fabulous. So to bring this full circle and to be telling you about the Origins gift sets just like makes my heart explode. Origins is the pioneering nature-infused skincare brand. And they've really elevated gift sets that will surprise and delight everyone on your holiday shopping list. They create transformative skincare with naturally derived ingredients that noticeably improve how your skin looks and how it feels. Origins has a long history of commitment to our planet by reducing waste and caring for its natural resources. All of Origins holiday gift set cartons are plastic-free, recyclable, and sourced from responsibly managed forests. And for every tree harvested, a new tree is planted. To date, the brand has planted over 2 million trees around the world, so you can feel good about the gifts that you're giving this season from Origins. And there are tons of different sets. They have the best seller set. They have a masking set. They have a youth set. They have their all-time essentials. Give the gift that gets your friends and your family feeling good, looking good, and treating the planet well. If your New Year's goals are to manage your budget and save some moolah, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscription, and it monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. How many? Think about how many subscriptions that you could possibly have that you just forgot about and you're getting these dumb little charges every month. That's why we love Rocket Money because it finds that streaming service you bought to watch one show on or that free trial that became a subscription that you totally forgot about. Rocket Money will quickly and very easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones that you don't want. I had 10 subscriptions I didn't know about before I got Rocket Money. And the best part is, is Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. You find the subscription you don't want anymore and you press cancel. You literally just press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. There's no more long hold times on the phone. There's no trying to find the weird page in the app or on the website that says cancel subscription because Rocket Money just does it for you. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money and they're saving an average of $720 a year. It's just to die for. Listen, stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Pia. That's rocketmoney.com slash Pia, rocketmoney.com slash Pia. And let me know how many subscriptions you canceled. 
What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So what are some actionable steps that we can take to kind of regain control of our attention span? <laughs> That's really what I would like to know. <laughs> yeah, no, there's Please help me. <laughs> there there are things that that we can do. But first of all, you know, I want to say that there's a lot of people have talked about hacks, very simple things. And and those of course you know, these hacks can can help us. A simple hack is turning off notifications, mm-hmm. right? Or putting your phone in a drawer, putting your phone in another room. These are, these are simple examples that can help. But I think we we have to think about the problem much more deeply. We have to think about how we can gain control of our attention, how how we can have agency self-efficacy to be able to do the things we want to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's a very well-known psychologist by the name of Albert Bandura, who has spent his career studying agency and self-efficacy. And I I was very drawn to his work, and I realized that some of the things he talks about could actually be applied to helping us gain control of our attention. And so one of the first things we can do is to to gain what he calls intentionality. And Mm. let me explain what that means. It means making our unconscious actions conscious. So when I see my phone, my phone actually happens to be right here. I'm showing my phone here. And that's bad practice, but I instinctively will grab it. Or if I hear a text chime, I instinctively grab my phone. We have to, those are unconscious behaviors and we have to bring them to our conscious awareness. Mm. And when I, when I switch screens and I go to check social media or email, which is what I typically do, those are unconscious actions. And I have to, if I can make them more conscious, then I can change. And so one of the ways to make them more conscious is to practice what I call meta-awareness. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So during the pandemic, my university offered a course in mindfulness. It's called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. 
And it's, it's a great technique. It's, it's a kind of meditation and it's a great technique to help you focus on the present, right? To become, bring you into the present. And Mm -hmm. I realized that when we use our devices, we, you know, we can do something that's not too dissimilar to that, Mm. to, to really bring our attention to what we're doing. And I also had thought about how when I study people, when they use their devices, I'm, I'm always, I'm observing them and I'm asking questions. I'm asking mostly questions to myself about what is this person doing? Why are they doing that? You know, I'm trying to understand the reasons for it. And I realized I could turn that to myself and I can ask myself those same questions. And so as I'm working on something, every time I'm tempted to switch screens and check email, I can stop myself. Ask yourself those questions. Do I really need to read email now? Mm. Right. I'm, I'm aware of this urge that I have and I bring it to my conscious awareness. And then I can say, nope, I really don't need to do it. Totally. Or you know, do I really need to switch to read news right now or to look at social media? Now, sometimes we need a break and sometimes it makes sense to do that. And so let's say if I'm on social media, I can also keep asking myself, am I getting value? Ooh, from being here? that's a good one. Do, do I feel replenished? That's a really good one because I I can see myself right away. If I go to pick up my phone and open Instagram, am I getting value out of this in this moment is a great way to pivot from what I'm doing. Yes. And it, and if you're not getting value, leave it. Stop mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're really honest, it's about being honest with ourselves. And uh, I realize even if I read a news article, I might get value after reading the first couple of paragraphs. But then I realize, am I... Am I really learning something additional that I can really help me? Yeah. And if not, then I stop and I go back and, and do something Oof. else. That makes me think so wholeheartedly about the information that I consume on a daily basis. I'm not going to say what it is because it's embarrassing, but I have a news app on my phone that's half news and half just trash. And I check it incessantly. And I, and I look at it before I go to bed and I look at it when I wake up and there really is, unless there's an emergency, you know, unless there's been, you know, a shooting or an earthquake or something that, you know, major happened. I 90% of the time I get no value of the information that I'm consuming. That's yeah. And that, and that makes me think like, this is my life. you like, think about how much of my life I'm consuming invaluable information. I mean, it's really a kind of an moment of existential crisis you really have over really considering that. That's a great practice. I mean, it, that's our that's our lives in the digital world. We have access to so much information. So much. We have to choose to focus on that information that brings us value. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think that's really the question of our times is choosing where we should allocate our attention. Mm. And the other thing to keep in mind 
That's also related to this idea of what we can do to control our attention is to realize that we we have a limited capacity of attention, right? Mm-hmm. And if and we have to use it wisely and we can't waste it. And you know, you want to save it for doing things that are important for you. And if you <laughs> waste your attention, God, that on, makes so much sense. Yeah. So so you want to, you know, you want to think very carefully. And this is another aspect of agency mm-hmm. is is designing your day in a way that you can you can think about these limited attentional resources and think about how you can allocate them and and when and to which tasks and you don't want to burn yourself out by 10 a.m. right so you have to think very carefully about that. The other thing is that every time we switch attention, we're we're losing some of those attentional resources. We're, I've been kind of wondering draining. about that because I, listen, for context, I have essentially four different jobs. They require me to be on my email, to create content, to be in a creative space, to design things and to have to be, you know, amplify all of these things on the internet to make them transactional. So I find, I mean, I will have to switch from, you know, answering emails and creating content to podcasting to then putting like a deck together and going from one thing to the other in the course of a day that transition is so hard. So it makes sense that that is also just taking up more brain space. I really should be designing my days to have creative chunks, you know, yes. more administrative chunks. Ugh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're every time you switch, my gosh, you, you have, a you know, a crazy life with doing all these different jobs. I got three dogs and, and a baby here too. So it's, <laughs> A lot going on. There's a lot going on. But every time you switch your attention, you have to reorient your attention Mm -hmm. to something else. And you know, for every everything that we're focusing on, we we're using information about it. You know, we have that Mm -hmm. information stored in our, our mind. If I'm writing something. And I'm, I'm sure you do writing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an idea in your mind about the information you're going to write about, how you're going to organize it. And then you suddenly switch and do email. The email and, is really the kicker, huh? Because I yeah. check it all day to make sure. But then every email requires like an answer or like a thoughtful response or requires me yeah. to seek other information. And then I'm just in a whirlwind and then I'm gone. Uh, and then I'll be like, how did I end up here? Because I started with just answering my emails and now I'm like four tabs deep into this other thing. Right. And and then you're tasked with having to go back to that mm-hmm. original task and you have to kind of muster up all that information that you've lost. Where was I? You have to reorient. It does feel to- like I'm constantly like mustering and then I'm constantly yes. like, oof, okay, like where was I? How do I get back here? And I'll look at my email sometimes and I'll mark, I'll star things I need to get back to. And the concept of me going back to that to answer, it seems extremely daunting. Yes. 
So that's how, you know, we use up a lot of our precious mental resources. Just Wasting resources them. constantly, doctor. Yeah. On Daily Mail and TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy is, it's what we have needed. Because life does not come with a user manual. It just doesn't. Things get hard. There's lots of changes. We're all coming out of what was a disastrous 2020. And it still feels like it was yesterday. And I know we're a stone's throw away from 2024. But if 2020 is still looming over you, if you're in the middle of a career change, a relationship change, if you're still hyper fixated on things that happened to you years ago. If all these things are compiling into this giant thing in your head and you feel like little daily tasks are getting harder or, you know, one little thing makes you explode. Let me tell you, the easiest way to get help for this is by going to betterhelp.com. You answer a couple questions, just a brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. And it's as easy as opening your computer because this is all from your computer. It's the world's largest therapy service, and they have matched over 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Pia. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Pia. Do you know how important it is to replenish your electrolytes? This could be after having a few glasses of wine, after working out, or just, you know, your active lifestyle in general. And that's why we have Element. It is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means lots of salt and no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. I drink this almost every single day. I am nothing without Element. It has allowed me to drink triple the amount of water I was drinking before. It allows me to do my workouts without getting sore or having a headache. And let me tell you my favorite thing about Element. There's no sugar in it. And I know we just mentioned that, but I don't think you realize how much sugar is in all these like electrolyte packets that are flooding the market. And electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in our body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. It can help eliminate, like I said, headaches, fatigue, sleepiness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. I love this stuff so much. And right now, because we got the bro deal, they're offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight single serving packs free with any element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. So get yours at drinkelement.com slash Pia. Element is L-M-N-T. So you must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Pia. But I don't, okay, so here's a real question. 
Do you think, like, if you were my friend and you were going to say, listen, Pia, you love TikTok? I get it. Give yourself 15 minutes a day. Like, is, is, is that something that, you know, there, there have to be healthy ways to still engage with things. But is it, you know, hey, it's at the end of the day, not too close to when you're going to bed. But when you when you've kind of exhausted all your brain for the day and you just need to kind of, you know, go into the ether. So the answer is absolutely yes. Okay. There, there are ways that we can strategically use social media or mindless games. Remember the rote attention that mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, where your mind is lightly engaged with something or could be quite engaged, but, but you're not at all challenged. Yes. You're doing something really easy. So in my research, People are happiest when they're doing that, when they're using Mm. that kind of attention. Okay. Why are they happier than, than when doing focused work? It's because it's easy. People Mm -hmm. like what's easy. And when we're paying attention and challenged, it's stressful, right? There's a certain amount of stress involved. Of Mm -hmm. course, we may be more rewarded after using sustained focus, Mm -hmm. but we need that road attention as well. There's a you know wonderful author and poet Maya Angelou mm-hmm. who wrote I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she would, when she did her writing, she had big mind and little mind. Oh. And her big mind was the the when she used her attention for her very deep thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's her big mind. Her little mind, she would play easy crossword puzzles, mm-hmm. right? So she was keeping her mind lightly engaged, but it enabled her to pull back from the hard work and to replenish. Mm. And she could replenish those cognitive resources by doing something easy and simple. So it it played a supporting role. It was an important part of her work. And I think we all can can do that. Now, the best breaks of all are to go outside. Yes. And to to be actually being outside in nature for 20 minutes has really incredible benefits. And we've even shown in our research that 20 minutes a day walking in nature can make people have significantly more divergent thinking. What that means mm. is think of it as brainstorming. You People think of more and different kinds of ideas after being outside in nature. Now, so, so that's the, the best break of all that we can take to replenish. But, you know, sometimes it's just not possible. I think to- 20 minutes is fair. I think, I think 20 minutes, I, there, by the way, I've been doing this podcast for maybe two years. And I love to have people on like you or I have nutritionists or I'll have functional medicine doctors or a lot of OBs I have on because I have, you know, PCOS and I struggled with fertility and whatever. And I'm just trying to provide information. The common denominator between every single person is to go outside. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so it's important. It's just and- free. <laughs> it's just a free thing <laughs> to connect and- to mother nature. <laughs> 
But but Pia, you and I are very lucky to both live in Southern California, Correct. where we can easily step outside. And I, I realize that many of the listeners here, it's not so easy, yep. especially if you're living in a place where it's maybe zero degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not so easy to step outside. But there are things that we can do with using rote attention to take a break and step back and replenish. And you can do something easy and mindless in the same way that Maya Angelou did using her little mind with her simple crossword puzzles. Einstein played the violin and he, and he, he claims that some of his greatest ideas came while he was playing violin and for him that was a kind of road you know it, yeah that makes sense it's something he, that it's, he was it's a, essentially kind of mindless but your mind is still capable of wandering but you're yeah that's cool I mean he was he was a, a very very good violinist I I understand he's what I've read but it it kept his mind very lightly engaged but he could at the same time think of of deep thoughts now the real challenge if we do this kind of road activity like going to TikTok or like going to Instagram Mm -hmm. is you have to, you have to apply meta awareness to make sure you don't get stuck in a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep bringing yourself to the present, asking yourself, this is still bringing me value, Mm -hmm. right? Do I feel replenished? Mm -hmm. If you do, then it's time to stop and go back to work. Is there anything else you know, do you have any practices that you use throughout the day or maybe you use through, you know, on a daily or weekly basis that are really, you know, we just discussed making, you know, having this awareness, this meta awareness of what you're doing. But, uh, you know, are there any other practices that you can advise people to add to their routines to help with it? Because I know you also speak very much about multitasking and how it really isn't something that's beneficial to anybody and most and I do it all day um and I've always said I brag that I'm good at multitasking (laughs) and my husband's from Italy and has a was raised very different culturally and he always says we I do not believe in multitasking he's very singularly focused so I'd love to talk a little bit about multitasking and then kind of go into more actionable practices that we can tell our listeners to do yeah so, so multitasking, first of all, there, there's a myth around multitasking that we can do two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, if both things involve mental effort of any kind, like writing and doing email, yeah. you can't not do both happen. things at the same time. It's not humanly possible. We're, we're just not wired to do that. But we can take but a walk and go on a call. Yes. And the reason we can do that is as long as one of those activities does not involve effort, mm-hmm. that that it's automatic for us, then yes, we can do two things at the same time. So that's why we can walk and text. We can drive and talk on the phone, mm-hmm. right? Because driving can be automatic. Walking can be automatic. Driving is automatic until some unexpected event happens. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your attention is diverted to that unexpected event. Let's say there is you you see the the traffic light change to to yellow, then all of a sudden you stop. Hopefully 
you will Hopefully. stop. <laughs> so as long as one of those activities is automatic, yes, we can do two things. But when we're on our devices, you know, typically both both activities involve some kind of effort. So we can't do two things at the same time. So if you're in a Zoom meeting and texting, when you're texting, you're actually not paying attention to Zoom, right? No. And, and I notice it now so often in my conversations with friends. I mean, I went to breakfast with a good friend of mine two days ago and it's so normal and it makes me feel so alone. And so I try to make sure that I'm not doing it, but you know, I'm in the middle of a conversation and then someone picks up their phone and you were engaged in an entire conversation and then you just lose them and they're completely not responding. And they're like, yeah, you know, and looking and finishing their text or whatever. It's so clear that these two things cannot happen at one time because you just lose your friend. Well, you're you're bringing up another point that is just a consequence of us being in the digital age. And that's the idea that culture, cultural norms have changed completely. So it has become acceptable for people to pick up a phone. You're in a conversation with someone and for them to simply pick up a phone and start using their phone, even though you're sitting across from another human being. And, you know, it's it's curious that our culture has come to such a point that this has become acceptable. I think some people right? are starting to. I, again, I remember when I started dating my husband, I would always put my phone on the table and he he'd you know, because the company he worked for was not very digitally forward. The owner of the company was not on Instagram. He would be horrified if somebody had their phone on the table or looked at a phone when they're engaging in a conversation. Very old school, beautiful values. And now I've started to notice that some of my friends, like I went on a double date with a new couple a couple of weeks ago and nobody brought their phones out on the table. And I, I, I remember thinking, I really like these people. I like how willing they are to engage with me and be extremely present. And it was such a noticeable action that I think is incredibly impactful because it completely has become totally normal to just yeah. look at your that's, phone. That's so wonderful that that they did that. I know. I was like, I really and, I was like, I want to be friends with these people forever. <laughs> these are great people. <laughs> well, they're they're very aware of you mm-hmm. and they they understand the value of human conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I teach students and, you know, students in class, even though I ask them not to use other apps when there's they're in no class. way those kids are not texting while their computers are open they're, or looking at their phones. They're, they're doing all of that. And <laughs> I, I, I really can't forbid them to use their devices because mm-hmm. they, some people need to take notes. And some people actually need to use it, or some people look at the slides on their screen mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, the slides are quite far away. So for them, it's it's important. But for a lot of other students, their their minds are elsewhere. And, you know, I, I just see it a lot when I'm on campus and I see young people in a group and they're all texting instead of actually having their attention on each other. Mm-hmm. So it's it it is an acceptable norm, unfortunately, and I I wish that we could work to to change this. I think hopefully we are. I mean, I have a one and a half year old, 
that I don't want on my phone. I feel I feel my personal belief is my phone is a personal item with private information on it that I don't think is appropriate for my daughter to have access to. Like I don't want her knowing my password and getting in there and looking at I just feel like it puts us on an equal playing field. Who knows what will happen when she's older and I lose control. You know, I, I said I would never let her watch TV and she watches Miss Rachel on YouTube all the time. Very aware now with a daughter of how I, what I want for her life. And so I've found myself, you know, if I'm feeding her, she's in the bath and I mindlessly open my phone, I have to say to myself, I'm missing a moment with my child because I'm mindlessly looking at TikTok while she's in the bath. I mean, really, it kind of hits me hard that I am truly disengaging from my own child with a device. Yeah, that's that's so wonderful to hear that, Pia. The thing that that I worry about with young kids is that a, a part of their mind, it's called executive function, is not well developed. Oh. And executive function is the part of our mind that it helps us regulate, self-regulate. We prioritize tasks. It runs interference. What are things that happen in a day that develop that in the best way? Well, it's just children's natural development and progression in life. And they, you know, they need time to be able to develop. And so... And that's stunted by screens? Yeah. I mean, if, if they're in front of screens, it affects their ability to pay attention. And this, there's a, a really nice study that had children watch fast-paced videos. And, you know, these are videos that are changing scenes very, very fast. And then they had another group of children who did some other task. I think it was drawing. And the children who watched the fast-paced videos after the videos were over, it was much harder for them to pay attention mm. on a simple task compared to the, the kids who are drawing. And so that that's an example of how, you know, it's it's doing something to their executive function. Now, it, you know, it may not have long-term effects, but, you know, in the short term, right after they were exposed to those videos, they had a hard time paying attention. And so that's why it's so much better for kids to do other things mm-hmm. and play outside, draw, invent their own. I uh, had to draw games. when I was at the dinner table. I had to go outside when I was little. We all survived without a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's also, you know, I also want to mention that for kids, it's important for them to become aware of their body's orientation and movement through space. And it's it's called proprioception. And when you're just looking at a two-dimensional screen, you lose a sense mm. of this awareness of, of how your body's position is in space. So I think it's so important for kids to learn how to move. Yeah, to use their bodies. <laughs> and exercise and run and be kids, right? Yeah, and and not not sitting in front of screens. Okay, so let's get let's finish up with any other actionable practices. I'd also like to know things that you do on a daily or weekly basis to keep yourself. Focused. Yeah, yeah. So back to this idea of talking about when we experience focused attention. That's mm-hmm. when we're 
you know, engaged and challenged. It turns out that people experience that in in rhythms throughout Mm. the day. And we find that for most people, there is a peak of of being able to focus about 11 a.m. and another peak about 3 p.m. Oh, now, wow. when this when this peak is depends on your own. It's like your uh, circadian. Is it aligned with circadian your circadian rhythm? rhythm? Exactly. Your your chronotype. Are you an early type, a late type? There's there are other things involved as well. I feel like so There's, many people have that dip in the afternoon where they get so tired, but that might be just like a physical that could be diet and exercise and other things. It, right? it could also be related to you know the eating habits, yeah. and sleep sugar patterns, yeah, of course. You know, blood sugar crashes are. I think I've, that's something I've been working the last year. I don't think we all realize yeah. how intense that negative effect that has on our bodies. Yeah. So, so I would say, try to be aware of what your own rhythm is. When when are you at your peak? Mm -hmm. I I know for me, it's hard for me to start the day being intensely focused. Yeah. I I just need time to ramp up Mm -hmm. to kind of get myself up to speed. And, and then I can start doing hard work. And so I save my hard work or when I have to be creative for, you know, like mid to late morning. Then I make sure to take a really good lunch break. It's really mm. important to replenish. And and then I go back to work. And again, after lunch, I kind of have to ramp up mm-hmm. to the hard work. It's hard for me to go right into it. But then when I'm I hit hit the ground running and then I'm I'm good with doing this this hard work. And I'm always trying to be aware of when I need a break. Mm. when I feel that I you're forcing it. Yeah. And it's so important to be a little bit proactive and not let yourself get too exhausted. So take a break and replenish before you get to that point of, of, you know, it's just, if you're exhausted, it's just really hard to get back up to speed. Now, the best times to take a break, and this is another practice I have, is what's called a break point mm. in, in your task. And that's the break point is a, a logical place where you can take a pause. And it's, you know, if I'm writing, it might be, let's say at the end of a chapter or even at the end of a section. And because then when you go back to that task, there's less work. Mm. to reorient back to it. And if we stop, and very often we stop tasks right in the middle of mm. doing something. You know, we have this urge to check email. We switch, we check email. And then it, it's really hard to, to figure out what we were doing before we took that break. So think about break points mm-hmm. and think about if you're going to switch to do something else, do it at a break point. That makes sense. The other thing to think about is that our tasks, everything we do has a certain emotional quality associated oh. with it. Some, some things make us happy. Mm-hmm. Some things are difficult. We can't do things all day that make us happy. Some things just have to get done. So at the beginning of the day, think about the emotional quality that your tasks will bring you. And think about arranging them in such a way that if you have to deal with something, do something hard, think about scheduling it before 
a break, let's say scheduling it before lunch Mm -hmm. so that it gives you time after lunch to kind of reset, you know, or let's say you're having a meeting with a a difficult person, right? And you know, this person is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Schedule it before lunch so that you can have a chance to, you know, kind of refresh and maybe have lunch with people you enjoy or being outside. I like the idea of having more autonomy over my meetings. I feel like a lot of the time, you know, when you need to get a lot of people in on a meeting, you kind of just take whatever is available. But it might be nice when people ask, and I'm going to, this will be my next action item. When people ask me my availabilities, put them in these, you know, do my, you know, I'm available at 11 a.m. or I'm available at 2 p.m. after lunch, you know, have these moments where I know that I'm available and focused and not on a break. And so I am, you know, have the, the wherewithal to be more focused. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I like that. So, so there are things that we can do and it's really important to have as a goal, your well-being mm. when you use your technology. And we tend to instead have a goal of how can I be as productive as possible? How can I accomplish as much as I possibly can in the shortest amount of time? Let's think about our well-being, because if we can maintain our well-being, if we can feel positive, we can actually do more. And there's, there is a, a theory in psychology which shows that when people are happier, when they feel positive, they actually, they can be more creative. They have more energy as you can intuit, right? And so think instead, what can I do to feel positive? It makes me so sad how many people feel so stressed and rushed and sick and unfocused and like, science comes back to like you just thriving when you're just happy and you're outside a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's just, it breaks my heart for simple. all of us. <laughs> it's, really. it's very simple. You know, we, we can't give up technology, right? We're, we're living in a world mm-hmm. where we're, we're so wound up in technology. So we have to learn how we can live with it mm-hmm. in such a way that we're not getting stressed out by it. Here's another tip, <laughs> and it's it's a simple tip, and we've shown in research over and over again that the more time on email, the more stressed people are, oh. the more happy they are, and the less productive they feel. Hmm. So cut down time on email. Save it for, you know, after lunch or save it for the end of the day, or maybe do it just three times during the day. Mm-hmm. And you'll realize that if you do that, how many problems have already been solved? You know, you might get some urgent email. This has to be done immediately. But if you look at it three or four hours later, it might already it's still going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always think that to myself too, like this urgency to check and respond. And I'm like, none of this is not like I'm solving cancer in any of these emails. They can all wait a minute. And, and if a few hours go by, that's okay too. They can wait. They can wait. And you're preserving your your resources. You're getting yourself less stressed. You know, e- email represents work. 
Yes. And, you know, it's a symbol of work. And so let's, let's take some time away from email. It's, unfortunately, it's the main, one of the main ways that people have to communicate. We, we can't get rid of it. There's lots and lots of proposed solutions. I haven't seen a good one, good alternative yet. My mind goes to, and it would be almost impossible for me to do this now, but having your personal email very much be a personal email and then having an email that all of your work. So when you, when you're checking it, you know, like my email is emails from friends and things are sending me, oh, I think you'd like this and newsletters that bring me joy and work might be in, in a lot of people's best interest to have those two things separate. Yes, that's that's a, a really good idea. A lot of people have multiple email accounts and and then you, you know, you can set up your schedule of when you check exactly. these so, so that's, that's a good way is to make this separation. We have different lives. We have personal and work lives, and it's, it's important to construct a border mm-hmm. between work and personal life. I think it helps keep us more sane. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it, it was my pleasure. Where can people it. purchase your books? Yeah. So my book that's coming out in January is called Attention Span. Mm-hmm. It covers what we talked about today, but there's a lot more that it covers as well about our our attention and lives in the digital world. You can go to my website, which is www.gloriamark.com. Okay. I'll leave that in the description. Yeah, you can also purchase it wherever books are sold. Beautiful. So any anywhere that you can buy a book, it, you'll find. Well, it. congratulations! I wish you all the luck on your second. It's your second book, Thank right? You. It's my yeah. second. Book. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything Is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barancini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.